Well, it isn't just Sue <clears throat> that loves the Psalms. I love the Psalms too. I'm sure that we all uh, do. They are full of experience and every aspect of our lives, the things that we feel, the things that we go through, uh, they all seem to be mirrored, don't they, in the Psalms. And the Psalms are full of theology, if you like, they're theology sung. And you know when you sing something, you tend to remember it better, don't you? Uh, the tune helps to fix the words. And uh, the Psalms were originally designed to be sung. And Psalm 31 is addressed to the choir master. And so it was set to music, and it would have fixed the truths about God and about what he does for his people uh, in their minds and hearts. All uh, doctrine, every part of scripture uh, is reflected in the Psalms, in poetic uh, form. And of course, especially they speak about Jesus Christ. Remember how the two disciples on the road to Emmaus had the privilege of Jesus being with them, though at first they didn't realize it. And Jesus opened the, the Old Testament to them and showed them things concerning himself. And it says he spoke from the law and the prophets and the Psalms about himself. And I'm sure you'll have picked up a verse in this psalm, verse 5, that Jesus uses when he is at the very end of his life, hanging there on the cross. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Jesus loved the Psalms too. And Jesus took the words of many Psalms and applied them to himself and what he was doing. They were known intimately to Jesus. They were precious to him. And he understood his mission in the light of the prophecies of Scripture and of what the Psalms said. I want to say three things before we uh, go into this particular Psalm, but three things about the Psalms. Um, firstly, their honesty of expression. And this is an encouragement to us, and I'm sure it's encouraged you, and maybe you've been surprised to see just how honest the Psalms are, just how much they are an outpouring of the heart to God. There's no pretense, there's no cover-up. David isn't in his Sunday best adjusting his tie ready for when he can pray. He's there in all the ugliness of his sin, in all the mixed up emotions that he has. He comes to uh, God. Psalm, sorry, verse 22 says, I had said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight. We can say uh, things rather hastily, uh, as David did. I'm cut off from God. What does God care? There are bitter thoughts in some of the Psalms. There are 
grumblings and complaints. But it turns out that David and we can easily jump to conclusions. But that's the whole point, that when we are honest, when we pour out our hearts, maybe we are desperate, maybe we are uh, consumed with thoughts about other people, ugly thoughts about other people, and ugly thoughts about God at times. We may be in trouble, maybe of our own making, but we pour out our souls to God. And it is in the act of being honest, it's in the act of pouring out our souls to God that we are led to a resolution. We're led to the answer. We're led to see what will really help us. So pray, so be honest with God. If it would help, write out what you're feeling. I personally find that very helpful. I can look back over the decades and see what I was feeling. I sometimes wince at what I had written, but it's a, a great therapy. The psychiatrist will recommend it, but more importantly, the Bible recommends it. Pouring out your soul to God. This is how I feel. This is where I am. I wish it was different, but this is how I am today, Lord. So write out of your joys, out of your sorrows. Come to him. Pour out your soul to him. And secondly, all the Psalms show this, that God is a hearing God. Verse 2, uh, David says, incline your ear to me. And verse 17, O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. And verse 22, uh, the, the latter part of the verse, you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. God was there, God was hearing, God was not distant. David may have felt at the beginning of his complaint, as he poured out his trouble, he may have felt that God was distant, but God was hearing. And when you and I come to God to pour out our souls to him, he is not remote and uncaring. He's not surrounded by layers of bureaucracy. I say that as somebody that works in the civil service, I know what layers of bureaucracy are. But we may approach God directly. The highest authority in the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds our lives in his hands, and more than that, the one who's committed himself to save us and to keep us, the one who is a just judge, the king, the sovereign, we know that he hears. We come to him directly. That's the glory of Christianity, that we have personal dealings with God. And I was very struck by verse uh, 16, where David prays, make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. 
face to face, as it were, with God. It reminds me of the blessing there in Numbers 6, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon us. And then thirdly, uh, all the Psalms, including this one, God is a helping God. So time and time again, when if God was a human being, he might well have been fed up with our complaining and fed up that we got into the same fix yet again. But why do David and why do the others who write the Psalms, why are they able to come back time and time again to God? It is because they know his character. It's because they know he will help them. It's because they know he's a God of steadfast love. The psalm is shot through. And verses 1 and 5 and 7, 16, 21, the psalm is shot through with the faithfulness of God and the steadfast love of the Lord. Verse 7 uh, says, You have known the distress of my soul. Verse 5, the verse that we mentioned was taken by Jesus uh, on the cross. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. In the past then, I've cried to you. In the past, I've poured out my soul, and you have been there for me. You haven't rejected me, though that's what I deserved, but you've heard me, and you helped me. You redeemed me. And then verse 8, you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You've set my feet in a broad place. This was David's testimony that he could come back time and again to the Lord, and the Lord would hear, and the Lord would deliver and help him. The psalm begins with this picture of the Lord, verse 2 and 3, as a refuge, a rock, uh, a strong fortress. And again, verse 3, a rock and a fortress. We know what fortresses are. There are plenty of castles uh, in Wales. And we sense the solidness of a castle. We sense the thickness of the walls. We sense how well uh, defended a castle would be and how difficult to take in times of war. And we are meant to apply that to where we are as we trust in the Lord, that we are safe in him and safe with him. But the psalm goes beyond that. It's a great thing to know that we are safe and we're secure and we're behind walls of salvation. But there's something more personal and more intimate that the psalm has to tell us. And that is that we are kept not by great thick walls so much, but we are kept in the hand of God. 
verse 14 and 15. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. And that is the best representation of the safety and the security that we have in God, that we are in his hand. It means that he is there beside us, he is with us, and nothing will harm us whilst we are there. Jesus has this to say in uh, John's Gospel and chapter 10, talking about the, the sheep that are in his care. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And more than that, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So there we are, locked in. Locked into the love of the Father and the Son, and for that matter, the Holy Spirit. Absolutely secure. So my times are in your hand, verse 15. What does that mean specifically <clears throat> as we think about the, uh, the rest of the psalm? It means firstly that my name is in his hand. In other words, that God will look after my reputation. He will look after my soul. I need not worry about my name and what people might think about me. Verse 17, you, you can see how much this concerns uh, David. O oh Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. And then at the very first verse of the psalm, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. He talks uh, about those who were against him later in the psalm, that there are plots and schemes and there are whisperings about him. People were talking about him. What were they saying? Some of the verses uh, remind us about Job. Uh, David was in a very low state, both physically and mentally and spiritually. Uh, verse 9, he says, I'm in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. My life is spent with sorrow and my ears with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbours, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. Somebody might say, reading the story of Job, well, you've endured a terrible tragedy, Job. You've lost your children at a stroke in that awful uh, disaster. And you've lost your wealth, your flocks, all that has gone. But at least you've still got your good name. Well, no. 
It turned out that Job didn't even have a good name. Even his friends, as they came to him uh, to comfort him, supposedly in his loss, they began to make up stories about him to try to explain his suffering and why he had to be afflicted in that way. They made up stories that he must have committed some terrible sin or other. And on a different level, because none of us have had what Job had, uh, we find ourselves at times on the wrong end of maybe bullying behaviour or verbal abuse, or we're aware that there's gossip about us. We can, if we're not careful, be close to obsessive about what other people might be saying about us in the past or what they're saying now. But our name is in the hand of God. It's in the hand of Jesus. The same Jesus who made himself of no reputation. The same Jesus that was subjected to shame and reproach at spitting and mocking. He bore the curse. So that Jesus, who was known in a vague sense uh, to David, but it's all uh, made clear in the New Testament, this Jesus took our shame upon himself. Our name is with him. As Paul says, I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him until that day. Do you worry about your name and your reputation? Some of us uh, maybe have a new uh, car one time and uh, a tiny, tiny scratch can really uh, appall us. We worry about the smallest uh, blemish on that uh, car. But our name is in God's hand. Ourselves, our very souls are kept by him. He knows the worst things about us. And the things that other people might say, the things that other people might talk about, are nothing compared to what God actually knows goes on in our innermost heart and thoughts. But whatever is there, Jesus has taken the shame. The hymn says, Bold shall I stand in that great day, for who ought to my charge shall lay? And then secondly, my pain is in his hands. The psalm, as we have read in that section just now, is full of pain, physical pain, and also mental pain. He talks about the state of his body. He talks about the distress of his mind. Jesus bears that. He endured every single kind of pain that can be felt by a human being. He lived those 33 years. He suffered what he suffered. He died the death that he died to taste 
every bitterness, every pain that can possibly afflict us, every single effect of sin and being in a fallen world and uh, living a life such as we live. My pain is in his hand. That's hard, isn't it? Because we, all of us at one time or another, suffer pain and at one time or another are in distress. But the psalm assures us that Jesus knows our distress. We're not separated from him by anything in life or death. We are held in his hand. He identifies with us. And our pain is not random. Wouldn't that be an awful thing to think that the pain that we have suffered perhaps chronically through a large part of our lives or the things that caused us distress, it would be an awful thing to think that they were random. What a brutal world it would be if God was not there and if God was not near to his people and if God was not able to use everything, even pain. C.S. Lewis says that pain is God's megaphone. He'll, he'll be speaking and then there'll be a time when he needs to really make us listen. All from a fatherly love and in a fatherly hand. And then thirdly, what does it mean that my times are in your hand? It means that my foes are in his hand, those that are against me. It is people, of course. Uh, it was people for, for David. But for us, it isn't people that are our enemies. It's the devil. It's principalities and powers. It's the God of this world. It's the devil who knows our weak points who waits for a guard to be down. The devil who may not tell outright lies, but will be very subtle and make insinuations that we find it hard to get out of our hearts and minds. The serpent was very subtle in Genesis chapter 3, but the devil and all our foes are subject to God. Satan is on a leash. He must ask God before he can act against one of God's people. That was the case with Job. If you read Job chapter 1, it's the case with Peter. Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. So he had to ask. And remember the demons in the story of the, the pigs who were possessed, the demons also were subject to Christ. They had to plead with Christ, please don't send us into the abyss. Let us just go into that lake over there. My foes are in his hand. We're very vulnerable, aren't we? Very uh, weak we are prone to wander. Satan roars like a lion. 
he prowls around. But again, Jesus, the Jesus whom David prefigured, the Jesus whom David anticipates in so many of the Psalms, that Jesus comes and takes on our enemies. And he did so once and for all decisively. And so Satan is a defeated enemy. He's the father of lies, and so he, in his deceitfulness, even deceives himself. But we know that his doom is writ. Jesus has won the victory. Everyone that is against us, even the devil and his demons, they are all in the hand of God. And then, lastly, my death is in his hand. I think David, in the psalm, I don't know exactly when uh, in David's life the psalm uh, was written. But some of his words seem to imply that he, he felt he wasn't far from death. Verses 9 and 10. My life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing, he says. My strength uh, fails. And then verse 12, I've, begun, I've, become, I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become a broken uh, vessel. It might be that he wishes himself dead. His, his suffering and his pain is so great. And you know he wouldn't be alone uh, in the Bible for wishing himself dead. Elijah uh, did so as well. But verse 5 takes us to the cross, doesn't it? We think of one. We think of one who faced death for us. Into your hand I commit my spirit. These were the last words of Jesus. He said them in a loud voice so that everyone could hear. Into your hand I commit my spirit. The God from whom even the Son felt forsaken for those three hours on the cross. Now into your hand I commit my spirit. The timing of our death is in his hand, and that's a great comfort for the believer. The when and the how and the where are in his hand. I would say then, as we've been touched with death as a congregation uh, in these last hours, make most of each other. I would uh, love, and it's been on my heart for a while, to, to write down the, the stories, the testimonies of the older uh, saints in Peniel, um, and to know how they were converted, how they came to know the Lord, and how the Lord has been their help and their stay, and how the Lord has been faithful, and the fellowship that they have had with him, and how the Lord has stepped in uh, during their 
lives. And with the time uh, allowing, I would have asked uh, Ron uh, some questions. And um, I had a few snippets from him. But make the most of each other. Um, learn from each other how precious the Lord is. Because uh, death may come at any time. We, we will come at the time of God's choosing, but we don't know. And so resolve then to live each day as though it were your last day. And to take God's word today as though you would never hear it again. And resolve to speak to each other and to take from each other and to give to each other something of the Lord, something that will make a difference for eternity. We don't need to worry when death comes. It unsettles us not to know the time, but we don't need to fear. Jesus has been there. The sting, the darkness isn't there for the believer anymore. There's a great um, statement in the, uh, it's called the Heidelberg Catechism at the time of the Reformation. And it says, this is the first question in the whole book, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. From now on, 16th of April, 2023, the invitation from God stands. He doesn't say, there's the shelter over there, there's the refuge over there. He says, come to me. Your refuge and your shelter is beside me. In me alone you're safe from the storms of life, from enemies, from the fear of death. Come to me. Hide in me. That's where your shelter will be. We'll sing our closing uh, hymn. I think it'll be um, maybe not a familiar hymn, but uh, you'll know uh, the tune, and it's based on the words of the psalm. <laughs>